It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, we'll go over a few more roster moves that became official on Thursday. Plus, we'll hear a little bit more from Mel Kuyper Jr. and some of his breakdowns on the defensive side of the ball. Plus, we'll hear your calls and texts all coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast on a loaded Friday, March 24th, 2023. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Just Raiders. Win. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, Just win. your team Just every win. day. Just win. Welcome here, Raider Nation, to another edition of the Locked On Raider Podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen of the day. Make sure you subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to make sure you get the latest edition of the show as soon as it's available. YouTube is the platform of choice. It's all good and it's all possible because of my guy Ari. He's putting in the work in the background. You can check him out on Twitter at Ari Produces and shout him out say thanks because, again, he's doing a fine job on YouTube. We definitely appreciate him. Today's edition of the Locked On Raiders Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On Today to get started. Got a lot to get to on today's show. And before we really do, I tell you all the time that there's football and then there's real life. So wanted to go ahead and touch on a couple real life situations real quick before we dive into the show. Uh, I got a text from Jay Raider out in Oakland in the town. He said, what's up, Q? Wanted to see if you could send a shout out to my sister, Lori. She passed away earlier this week and it devastated the family. She was a Raider fan and we got some good memories from the games in Oakland. Appreciate it. And rest in peace, big sis. That's from Jay Raider in the town. And we definitely appreciate you sharing that obviously it's not a good feeling uh, with your sister passing along but uh please believe Raider Nation has got your back and like I said Jay Raider thanks for uh passing that along and uh we wish you and the family all the best and then uh a, a passing that's a little bit nearer and dearer to my heart only because I know this young individual and I do say young individual as I believe he was only 55 years old and a lot of people listen to this show that are from the Bay Area and if you're from the Bay Area you've probably heard JV on the doghouse on Wild 94.9 and anyone who's listened to my story knows that I came from Wild 94.9. I was a party crew member. JV was an icon, is an icon, uh, a legend. Uh, He's an inspiration to many of us that are in the radio business to this day. And I can't say that he was my best friend. Like I knew him really, really well. Like I know Victor Zaragoza, but I was in the building when JV was uh, with the doghouse on uh, Wild 94.9 and he went missing last month. And for the most part, his wife had put out a tweet saying that she believed he was not going to be returning. And uh, on Thursday, it was confirmed. Uh, the The police department out there in San Francisco, uh, they put out a notice saying that the body that they found near Pier 39 on Wednesday afternoon was identified as JV. So Wild 94.9 put out a, a, a notice on Twitter saying, with the heavy heart, we must confirm the body found near Pier 39 on Wednesday afternoon has been identified as our dear friend, family member, and colleague, JV. We are devastated to know JV is gone. Please keep his wife, Natasha, his family, and close friends in your thoughts and prayers, Wild 94.9. And, yeah, I mean, just near and dear to my heart. Again, I grew up in the Wild 94.9 building. I uh, grew up with all those guys back in the day. And, uh, really, I wouldn't be the guy I am today if it wasn't for that stop in my radio career. That was the start of my radio career, as a matter of fact. So uh, many prayers to JV, JV's family, his wife, Natasha, and everyone uh, around him. And plenty of people in the Bay Area grew up on the doghouse. So a lot of folks know JV. Now, 
with that being said, we'll go ahead and dedicate today's show to JV. We'll also dedicate today's show to Jay Raider's sister, Lori, uh, obviously, as they both have passed away. So we're going to go ahead and dedicate this Friday show to them and their memory. So let's go ahead and jump into the news and notes here in segment number one. And uh, first, the Raiders re-signed Keelan Cole. Uh, that's something that we had talked about earlier in the week, but they, they made it official on Thursday. And if you remember, Keelan Cole had that big touchdown catch against the New England Patriots week 15 in the corner of the end zone where it looked like he might be inbounds, might not be inbounds, whatever the case may be. It was ended up rolling a touchdown, and the uh, Raiders ended up going on to win in that game against the Patriots. That was the only touchdown he had uh, in 2022, but uh, the Raiders made his is signing official on Thursday. But then they also went outside the building and came to agreement and signed cornerback Duke Shelley. And I'm not going to lie to you, I wasn't a big Duke Shelley guy. He wasn't on my radar. He wasn't the guy that I thought, man, the Raiders need to go out and make this move for Duke Shelley. But I knew immediately that he was actually a pretty good stinking player when I saw all the Viking fans, you know, kind of responding to the news like, wait, what? Duke Shelley's gone? You know, so when you see another fan base get upset when a player leaves, you know that this player is pretty good. And Shelley is only five foot nine, hundred and seventy six pounds. Uh, he joins the Raiders after stints with the Bears and the Minnesota Vikings. He was originally a, a six-round pick of Chicago in the 2019 NFL Draft. He's been in 41 career games with 11 starts, 80 total tackles, 58 uh, solo, one interception, and 12 passes defense. And last season, he was in 11 games with five starts and set career highs in tackles, interceptions, and passes defense, 30 tackles, one interception, and eight passes defense for the Minnesota Vikings. So I had to do a little bit more deep diving because, like I said, I saw a lot of fans getting upset because Duke Shelley was not there. And the thing about Duke that's even crazier is he's only five foot nine. So you start thinking about a Meek Robertson. You start thinking of a slot corner. No, Duke Shelley actually played on the outside. He never played in the slot with Minnesota. So he was a boundary corner at five foot nine, 176. I mean, that is nothing, right? I mean, that is five foot nine, 176 pounds is nothing for a corner or an NFL player in general, but he was playing a boundary corner. So uh, pretty, pretty impressive right there. So I went out to uh, Mark Craig, my guy from the Minneapolis Star Tribune, had him on my radio show on Thursday on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness, just to get a little bit of background on Duke Shelley to find out who he is, why the fan base was so upset about him. But here's what Mark had to say about Duke and the loss he was to the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I mean, Duke wasn't here very long, but I think uh, he endeared himself because, you know, other than Patrick Peterson, he was their best corner, which is really strange when you think, you know, he's he's brought in in September, I think, as a, you know, practice squad guy, didn't really play much at all. In fact, but, you know, he he played such a big role, you know, and he played three snaps in that uh, Buffalo Bills game, you know, that probably the game of the year in the NFL where the Vikings won 33-30 in overtime. He, an injury to Dantzler, Cameron Dantzler, brings him into the, onto the field in overtime. He plays three snaps. But one of them is he's 5'9", he's, 5'8". Uh, he's, five, 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 he's stuck on the tight end, Dawson Knox, who's like 6'5". And there, it's, a, it's a goal line play. And, and, and he goes up and challenges his tight end and, and has a pass deflection, a great pass deflection for a guy making his first snaps as a Viking. And then I think the next play, uh, Peterson... Um, ends the game with an interception. So, you know, from that point on, he was uh, he was a pretty good player. You know, he's not Deion Sanders or anything, but he's a he's a great overachiever, a good guy, you know, fun guy to talk to. Um, I think they wanted to bring him back, but I think Duke realized that he had some, uh, you know, probably some more lucrative offers somewhere else. So there you go. 
A lot of high respect right there from Mark Craig when it comes to Duke Shelley. Again, a guy that, you know, came in as a as a, 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 a late-round pick. He was a guy that was on a practice squad for Minnesota, got into the game, and uh, they really respected him. And so the final soundbite I want you to hear on Duke Shelley from Mark Craig is about the type of role that he was playing and kind of expands on what he meant to the teammates in the locker room. Very detailed answer here from Mark Craig for the Minneapolis Star Tribune talking all things Duke Shelley. Well, he came in and he was starting. on. You know, he's better than Cameron Dancer. Dancer's a guy they just let go. I mean, he was, he was still under contract, but I don't think they thought he was worth the two or three million dollars. Uh, you know, this guy that came in a couple years ago was pretty good as a rookie or in, in training camp and then it was decent as a rookie and then just kind of regressed from there. But, you know, uh, Duke was a guy that, uh, you know, outside, they didn't play him on the inside at all. Uh, but because they, they had um, Chen and Sullivan, you know, the old former Packer, Playing didn't play very well in the in the slot for him. He's not coming back. But you know, Duke was a guy that you know was uh, he really really played above what you would expect based on how he came in. In fact, there was one uh, I was doing a story on uh, you know who you know, going up to the players in the locker room asking who their most uh, underrated Viking was. And uh, Jordan Hicks, the linebacker, he he looks around at all looks around at all the nameplates and he goes, you know, Duke Shelley by far. He said. Uh, you know, Duke came in here and you thought he was a first round draft pick, but not in a uh, annoying way. He came in with a swagger, uh, you know, just shorter guy and uh, just kind of overlooked someone like him. And, you know, he, you know, he really stepped up for him whenever they, you know, they couldn't count on guys with uh, that. They had more that they invested more in when they couldn't come through for him. You know, here's a guy that, you know, draft day three, late day three draft pick that, uh, the Bears gave up on, and uh, and, they, and they just brought him in as a practice squad guy. So yeah, you know, not not he's not an All Pro, but he's he's pretty darn good for for what they invested in him. So right there, it sounds like the Raiders got a good one. You know, and and look, I don't think that he's going to all of a sudden cure all the issues that the Raiders have in the secondary. But as you see, they're slowly but surely putting together, you know, a nice little at least cornerback room, at least bringing in some competition at that cornerback position that can go out there. And even if they're not uh, immediate starters, you know that they're going to bring bring the fight. You know, they're going to go out there and they're going to compete and they're going to do everything they can. And the thing about Duke Shelley is he's a guy that plays man to man, bump and run. And that's exactly what Patrick Graham wants them to do. So uh, I know that the the moves that this staff has made, none of them have been sexy. None of them have been something that got the fan base super excited and fired up. Matter of fact, uh, some of the moves they've made have made the, the fan base a little upset, but again, I think these are nice strategic moves that Dave Ziegler and company are putting together, and it's funny, Dave Ziegler, Champ Kelly, Josh McDaniels, they were all in Alabama, Tuscaloosa, as a matter of fact, to see uh, Alabama's Pro Day, Bryce Young and company, they took Bryce Young out to dinner on, uh, on, on what was it, Wednesday night? Yeah, Wednesday night, following his dinner that he had with the Carolina Panthers after Ohio State had their pro day. So C.J. Stroud went out with Carolina and multiple other teams, and then Bryce Young did the same thing. Well, then the Raiders took Bryce Young out to dinner as well. So they got to know Bryce Young. I'm not saying that that means they're going to go draft him or make a move to go draft him, but interesting that they went and kind of picked the brain of Bryce Young and got to know him a little bit. So just, you know, just again, a little nugget to, to hold on to. But I did find that signing cornerback Duke Shelley to be a pretty good one. At least it sounds like a pretty good one. He played pretty well for the Minnesota Vikings in 2022. Final note I have for you for segment number one of today's Lockdown Raiders podcast, news and notes of the day. Tom Brady, he ends up in Vegas after all, (laughs) right? You knew it somehow he was going to end up in Vegas. Now, not with the Raiders, but... 
with the Aces. Uh, it was announced on Thursday uh, by owner Mark Davis, announced that seven-time Super Bowl champion Tom Brady has acquired an ownership interest in the world champion Las Vegas Aces of the WNBA. Mark Davis went on to say, since I purchased the Aces, our goal has been to win on and off the court. Tom Brady is a win not only for the Aces and the WNBA, but for women's professional sports as a whole. And then Brady went on to say, I'm very excited to be part of the Las Vegas Aces organization. My love for women's sports began at a young age when I would tag along to all my older sister's games. They were by far the best athletes in our house. We celebrated their accomplishments together as a family, and they remain a great inspiration to me. I've always been a huge fan of women's sports, and I admire the work that the Aces players, staff, and the WNBA continue to do to grow the sport and empower future generations of athletes. To be able to contribute in any way to that mission as a member of the Aces organization is an incredible honor. So there you go. Tom Brady, part owner of the Las Vegas Aces. And so, of course, you'll probably see Tom Brady around Las Vegas quite a bit. The atmosphere at the Michelob Ultra Arena where the Aces play is fantastic. Uh, he's been courtside. Kelsey Plum, Darren Waller's wife, uh, has you know talked to him many times and uh, done her little her dog bark at him and everything, and he sent her a jersey, and she's a big Tom Brady fan. So he'll be around the organization, and if he's around the Aces with their new facility being right next to the Raiders facility, I'm just saying, just saying, there'll definitely be some communication. But Tom Brady is a retired football player, but now part owner of the Las Vegas Aces. That's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast news and notes of the day. Coming up in segment number two as we close out the week really strong, here from Mel Kuyper Jr. Pre-draft conference call. This time we did quarterbacks on Thursday. We'll talk defensive guys coming up today on this Friday. That all comes up after I tell you about Built Bar. And March Madness is going on right now, right? I mean, man, the Sweet 16 was fantastic. The action Thursday night was great. Uh, UCLA and uh, Gonzaga, we got to see them right here in Las Vegas. But that's not the only March Madness that's going on right now. The Built March Madness bracket is here. BuiltMarchMadness.com. That's where you got to go to vote for your favorite Built Bar or Built Puff. And I'm voting for Cookies and Cream. Hands down. So if you want cookies and cream to win, then you'll be voting for that bar too. But if you have another one, well, again, you'll vote for that one and vote as many times as you want. And whoever comes out on top, obviously, is the winner. When you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered to win a drawing where 50 lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built Bars. Not only that, but one Locked On fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have the best Built Bars or Built Puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. And I tell you all the time why you got to try Built Bar if you haven't done it already. It's just a great tasted protein bar. It's uh, very low in calories, very low in sugar, high in protein. It's a great snack just in case you're at the house working all day or maybe you're at the job and you don't want to stop for lunch. You just want to go ahead and pull out the Built Bar out of your top drawer or your desk or whatever, whatever the case may be, and boom. You can be good to go. Cookies and cream is my go-to, but they have so many different flavors to choose from. You're going to love it. I promise you. If you're a marshmallow person, you'll want the puffs. If you're just an OG-type flavor guy like me, you'll just want the regular ones. Granola bars, they have those, too. You just got to go check it out for yourself and decide what you want, but make sure you get your vote on, too. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com, vote for your favorite bar or puff, and pick up a box while you're there. Again, BuiltMarchMadness.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team 
every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to jump into some more breakdowns from Mel Kuyper Jr. He had his pre-draft conference call uh, the other day, and, uh, of course, we had the sound bites when it came to the quarterback position and just his thoughts on Anthony Richardson and Will Levitz and C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young and, and, uh, and Hendon Hooker. All that we did just the other day on Thursday's show. So now I want to kind of focus in on other areas of the team defense, and we'll even uh, jump in uh, with a little offensive line sound sound bite and a breakdown from Mel Kuyper Jr. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Let me go over the top 10 real quick again as he put out his mock draft 3.0. Carolina at number one, quarterback C.J. Stroud. Houston at number two, quarterback Bryce Young. He had Indy trading up to number three with Arizona taking quarterback Will Levis. So three quarterbacks back to back to back. Then Arizona sitting there at number four who traded with Indy uh, down one spot. Goes defensive line Will Anderson out of Alabama. Seattle gets back into the quarterback business at number five. Quarterback Anthony Richardson out of Florida. Detroit at number six. The defensive tackle Jalen Carter out of Georgia. The Raiders at number seven. Cornerback Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon. ATL. Cornerback Devon Witherspoon out of Illinois. Chicago offensive tackle Paris Johnson Jr. out of uh Ohio State, and then Philadelphia guard Peter Skaronsky uh, out of Northwestern. So that was his top 10 right there on Mock Draft 3.0. And, of course, it's going to change. It's about a month away, still a little bit over a month uh, before the draft actually happens. So it's going to change a little bit between now and the actual first round of the draft. But let's go ahead, now that you know the top 10 on his Mock Draft 3.0, let's go ahead and get into some defensive breakdowns. And the first one is the top defensive tackles. And this is really a question that was thrown out there in terms of the Jets, but if Jalen Carter's not your guy, maybe the, the Raiders or any other team took him off their board because everything going on off the field, uh, his pro day wasn't great. So maybe Jalen Carter is just not the guy. But who are the top defensive tackles in this class? Because there are plenty of defensive tackles not J- named Jalen Carter. Here's Mel Kuyper Jr. Rich, that's a great question. Uh, I, I went with uh, Jalen Carter gone, obviously. You know, when, when you talk about pick six, some people think he could drop a little bit. I don't. Uh, anywhere between five and ten, Jalen Carter could come off the board. It's obviously before pick thirteen. Now if you got that number. Warren Sapp dropped to twelve, I believe, Rich, when he came out. So you never know. You never know. But so if he was there, certainly uh, Jalen Carter. But uh, the guy that's red hot right now, and I have him going in the later first. I almost put him at ten to Philadelphia. Is Adetamiwa Adabare from Northwestern. He had production at Northwestern. He was forcing fumbles. He had a lot of quarterback pressures. Uh, you know, he's over two eighty. Uh, he ran 4.49. He's got long arms. Uh, he's a great kid, recruited by Army Air Force, ends up at Northwestern. Uh, so he would be next on a Kalija Kansi from Pitts, a three technique, super quick. It's about 6'1, 280. Uh, ran really well at the common, actually ran better than Aaron Donald. Doesn't have the arm length of Donald, though. Um, Brian Brzee at Clemson, you know, is his situation, the, the anguish, mentally anguished with his sister passing away. And, and then he had the medical situation. He had the ACL two years ago. He would look refreshed and regenerated at the, at the, uh, the, uh, combine looked really good. Brian came out of Damascus, Maryland. He's a local kid here from the Maryland area. Great family, a great kid. I think he's in the late first round mix now as well. So those are the four rich first round defensive tackles, Carter, uh, and I think Adabare, something defensive end, I think he's a three technique, and then Cansey and then Brzee. So there you go. There's some other names outside of Jalen Carter. And again, he's still the best defensive tackle. And hell, he could be the dead best player in this upcoming draft. And I'm not saying that any team has to rule him off the, their board or cross him off their board, including the Raiders, right? I'm not saying that, but whoever do, goes ahead and takes him, they have to really do their due diligence, make sure they do their research and feel 100% comfortable. Because not only, you know, are you, you know, taking a risk just based off of what you see, 
seen, but you also realize that this guy is going to go very high in the draft, which means he's going to get a whole lot of money. And sometimes, you know, that could be that could be a dangerous combination. So you really have to know uh, who you're investing in if you're one of these teams. So not again, not saying that he's going to go drop out of the first round. I don't even think he drops out of the top 10, to be 100% honest with you, but we'll see. But there's other defensive tackles that you can get that aren't named. Jalen Carter and I'm always intrigued by the cornerbacks right you know what I say DBs win games and you know he has Christian Gonzalez going number seven to the Raiders and I like that pick and it's funny I've had this conversation you know who do you take at seven if you go with the the best defensive player and I'm and my answer is whoever your highest ranked defensive player is because the Raiders need defensive help all over the field defensive line corners linebackers safety you name it they need it so Mel has them going with the cornerback. So here's, here's Mel talking about this year's cornerback class, and this is really from a Patriots point of view who pick at number 14, but it's still a little bit of good insight as far as I'm concerned on how deep this class is when it comes to corners. You mentioned corner. I had Joey Porter Jr., a press corner, son of Joey Porter, physical guy with great length, uh, a guy that I think is very underrated, Mike, is Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State. Love the kid. I mean, this kid had... 14 career interceptions. Uh, he had six pick sixes, one of which against Will Levis this year. Um, he ran 435, 37.5 vertically, 6'1, 166. He's got length. Uh, people say, well, he's, I call him the Splendid Splinter Three. Devontae Smith was Splendid Splinter Two. He's Splendid Splinter Three. He's really the cornerback version of Devontae Smith. Um, you know, he ran 435. He was durable, Mike. You know, he missed one game. That wasn't an injury. So, in his career. So, you know, Emmanuel Forge, really good football player. Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, formerly of Colorado, had four picks this year. First time in his career he had an interception. He's going to go high. Um, Deontay Banks, Maryland, doesn't locate the deep ball as well as you would want. That's the one thing he needs to work on. But I'll tell you what, he tested well. He had a heck of a year, came back from a shoulder injury, he missed all of 2021. Cam Smith, South Carolina, Keely Ringo, mixed opinion on him. Straight line speed guy, tests well, has size. Uh, just a little stiff for me. Um, Julius Brents, Kansas State's rising. Riley Moss, Iowa, has been in that second, third round uh, mix all along. Clark Phillips, the third from Utah, is more of a nickel. I'm telling you, I go 29 to 35 deep at corner. It's the deepest position in the draft by far, Mike. You're going to find corners like Keetrell Clark at Louisville, uh, Miles Brooks, Louisiana Tech, Lance Boykin, Coastal Carolina, Corey Trice, Purdue, they're going to go and drop down just a little bit. Eric Scott, Southern Mississippi is a little underrated. Nick Jones, Ball State. Uh, Eli Ricks, if he can ever find what he did at LSU that first year, he wasn't even a starter at Alabama. Yeah, but he played great as a freshman at LSU. Uh, he's going to probably be a late-round pick at best. So the cornerback position, in fact, I'm looking 35 to 40 corners that I think will play in the league out of this draft. So what I really like about the way that Mel gives these answers, man, he just rattles them off and rattles them off. I mean, this dude is like a walking encyclopedia when it comes to the NFL draft. I really like his show on ESPN, Daria Mel, uh, whenever you get to ask him draft questions, because, man, he just rattles them off. And he gives you great detailed answers. And right when you think he's wrapping up, then he gives you another example. So uh, there you go. He gave you a lot of names right there when it came to the cornerback class. And I know there's a bunch of those names that you probably recognize. I'm a big fan of Christian Gonzalez. I'm a big fan of Devon Witherspoon. Of course, I'm a big fan of Joey Porter Jr. as well, but there's plenty others that you could pick that are going to be good, but if the Raiders were going to go and get a a top flight uh, corner, I'm looking at either Christian Gonzalez or uh, Devon Witherspoon, and Witherspoon is a guy, well, actually they both are guys that could play man coverage really well, you know, press you, bump and run you at the line of scrimmage, and I think 
Devon might be just a little bit scrappier. You know, he might be that guy that's just a little bit more handsy. Uh, but Christian Gonzalez has got the size. He's got the length. You know, he's 6'2". Uh, he's got all that. So I wouldn't be mad at either one of those picks if the Raiders went that direction. I also wouldn't be mad if they went D-line. You know, just because they need, like I mentioned before, so much help on the defensive side of things. How about Alabama's Will Anderson? He's a guy that Mel Kuyper Jr. has him going number three overall uh, to the Arizona Cardinals. Excuse me, uh, number four to the Arizona Cardinals as Arizona traded down uh, one spot in his mock draft. So he has him going to Arizona regardless. They don't need a quarterback. They have Kyler Murray. So his answer was just about what you're getting, what a team is getting in Alabama's edge rusher, Will Anderson. I'll tell you what, he's a great kid. So you're in the character-wise, best ever. I mean, I don't know of anybody character-wise uh, will ever touch in any position. He's going to be right up there with the greats in terms of character. You love the kid. I mean, he's all business. He wants to be great. He's a team guy. He's humble. Yeah, you love him. You want him on your team. Is he? It's not a knock. It's just right. He's. It's saying he's not Miles Garrett and Von Miller is not a knock. There's very few that are Miles Garrett and Von Miller that have that incredible bend off the edge, that incredible first step quickness, and incredible explosiveness out of the blocks. That's not a knock. That's just the reality is there's only very few that are Miles Garrett and Von Miller. Um, so for me, he's a shade below that. That's why I get into, is he an 8 to 12 sack a year guy? Is he an 18 to 20 sack a year guy? If you want the 18 to 20, probably not. If you want the 8 to 10 to 12, I think that's what he will be. And I, what, what did Aiden Hutchinson have this, this year? Nine and a half, ten sacks? Uh, you know, so and we're raving about Aiden. Great, great year. He had nine and a half, ten sacks, three interceptions, got in the backfield a lot, was really disruptive. Had a heck. So you're happy with that, right? So if you get as a 10, 12 sacks, that's pretty good. So again, he might not be the elite of the elite, but he's going to be pretty doggone good. And that's why I say for Arizona, if you go from three to seven in that area, you lose Will Anderson Jr. You go three to four, you don't lose him. And that's assuming Indianapolis wants to move up. I don't know if they will or not, but if they stay at three, Will Anderson Jr. is a heck of a pick. Will Anderson is one of my favorite players in the draft. Uh, everyone knows who's been listening to me for a minute knows I'm all about Alabama. You know I'm going to be at the house yelling, Roll Tide, all day, <laughs> right? I mean, that's just what I'm going to do. Roll Tide. That's 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 how I go. So Will Anderson, one of my favorite players, uh, he, he is fantastic. I just don't think that he'll be anywhere near where the Raiders are at, at number seven, right? I mean, he'll be probably the first defensive player off the board, if not the second, at the, the second at the worst, Right. If Jalen Carter happens to be the first defensive player, then Will Anderson will be right after him as far as I'm concerned. So I guess there's a chance that he could be there at number seven, but I would doubt it. Right. I mean, if 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 he's on the board there and Seattle's picking at five, they might just say, you know what? Anthony Richardson's a good idea, but nah. Let's go and get that out, uh, that defensive guy in Will Anderson. So wouldn't be shocked to see him gone by five at the very latest. How about Iowa's Lucas Van Ness? That's a guy that a lot of folks are talking about. Here's Mel Kuyper just kind of breaking him down and uh, what he thinks about Van Ness, who's really starting to come on pretty strong. It's a short answer from, from Mel, but uh, here's his thoughts on Iowa's Lucas Van Ness. Still learning, and that's the one thing. I, I thought another year would have really benefited him. Excuse me. I think you look at him with his the, the length he has, the versatility he has, the power in his pass rush is just something you see when you watch him. Um, and he's going to keep getting better. I and mean, he's got the ability to play inside, outside. He can play on his feet. Um, I think Green Bay, and that's where I project them at 15, would be a nice spot for him. Uh, Detroit at 18. Uh, if they don't go defensive line early, uh, there's a lot of options for him in the first round. He's a solid, to me, a solid mid to late first rounder. So I think the biggest key there was kind of still learning. 
you know, about this young man. And also, he's still learning to play this game. But he's got a very high uh, upside, uh, you know, upside to him. Matter of fact, I believe Daniel Jeremiah had him going to the Eagles at number 10 in his mock draft 3.0. So Lucas Van Ness looks like he's going to definitely be a first-round guy. Uh, it just depends on what flavor you like, right? It depends on uh, if the Eagles maybe at 10, maybe he cracks the top 10, maybe he drops just a little bit below. But he's definitely climbing a lot of boards right now and would not be shocked to see him in the green room in Kansas City come day of the uh, the draft, uh, April 27th, again in Kansas City. Uh, just got a couple more sound bites here. Again, we're listening to Mel Kuyper Jr., his uh, pre-draft breakdown. He had that just the other day. Lots of really good stuff, about an hour and a half of just draft conversation, just breaking down these different players that are going to be in, uh, in, in this upcoming draft at the end of April. So just got a couple more. And linebacker. Talked about linebacker is a position that the Raiders need to upgrade, but I don't think this is a deep linebacker class. I really don't. Uh, I don't know if there's any uh, first-round linebackers. I know that I don't feel like there's any top 10 uh, linebackers. Now, I know you can label Will Anderson a, a, a linebacker technically, uh, but we all know he's an edge rusher, right? He's getting, he's getting after the quarterback. So I guess depending on how you label these guys, you can call him a linebacker, but... Uh, he was he was asked about day two linebackers, and I think that that's the sweet spot, right? Round two, round three, that's where you can go get your linebacker. That's where I think the Raiders will go get their linebacker. So here's Mel breaking down the day two linebackers. Day two linebackers. Could be a lot of them. I love Drew Sanders at Arkansas. I thought he could be a one. Uh, he, he was formerly of Alabama. Outside, inside, uh, he got after the quarterback this year. Got a lot of sacks for Arkansas. Trenton Simpson can fly to the football, great speed and range out of Clemson. Jack Campbell, length of an inside linebacker is really important to disrupt quarterbacks in those throwing lanes out of Iowa. Nice player in the second, third round. Dayon Henley from Washington State, another guy, fast to the football. Dorian Williams, Tulane, same thing. So there's some really good second and third round off-ball linebackers. They can have, also can have some versatility to move outside. From, from an outside standpoint, I think when you look at day, let's go to day three, uh, you know, Yasir Abdullah from Louisville, Dylan Horton from TCU would be some guys there. Uh, a late round pick, I think, could be an, an interesting guy is Caleb Murphy at Ferris State. We saw Matthew Judon come out, you know, you know lesser competition, developed into a really good pass rusher. Caleb Murphy showed well for the most part. There's some games I would have liked to see him dominate where he was neutralized uh, in some instances and then some big play spots where I thought he could have been after the quarterback a little more. But overall, I think as a sixth, seventh round pick, uh, I wouldn't mind bringing Caleb Murphy from Ferris State into the fold. Mel Kuyper right there, day two linebackers. And there's a bunch of those guys. And I would have no problem if the Raiders went and got a linebacker in round two or even round three. Right, because again, I think the value is there uh, as opposed to what you're seeing uh, from the corners position, from the edge rusher, from the defensive tackle. Like you want to go ahead and get the blue chips of the blue chips as soon as you can. Right, get the best players of the best players, and I don't believe a linebacker that the that the Raiders would have on their board would be higher than a D tackle, an edge rusher, or a corner. At least not uh, above the. The, the real good ones, you know, the alpha dogs that I've been looking for the Raiders to get. So that's all the defensive uh, sound bites that I wanted you to hear from Mel Kuyper Jr. One more, though. One more sound bite I got for you is about offensive linemen. And this is on Paris Johnson Jr., the tackle from Ohio State, and then Peter Skaronsky kind of comparing and contrasting. And, and Skaronsky comes from Northwestern. Uh, he's played tackle, but he's projecting to be a guard in the NFL. And uh, Mel has uh, Paris Johnson going, matter of fact, number nine to Chicago. So Courtney Cronin from ESPN actually asked him this question. Just to kind of compare and contrast Paris Johnson Jr. to Peter Skaronsky and started off with the question just asking, can Skaronsky play tackle in the NFL? 
that's questionable. And that's the reason why with the 32 and a half arms and, and being six, three and a half and the question whether he could survive, you know, at left tackle, right tackle in the NFL, where he's got to be a guard. Hey, look what Quentin Nelson, look at, at Zach Martin, look at the guards and what they've been able to do and how they've impacted offensive line. So, and he's got, and I think he can play all five spots. I don't think there's any question he can play all five spots. We have Patrick McCarry's here in Baltimore with the Ravens, and he's a great swing man. And we had to kick out the left tackle this year. He did a great job uh, against Jacksonville and Trayvon Walker. Didn't give up a sack, had a heck of a game. So uh, that was after Ronnie Stanley got hurt. So, you know, I remember Brad Hopkins came out of Illinois, a great football player. It was that 6'3". Um, so the arm length with the height is a concern. You don't usually have that in the NFL over the years, so you have to look at history and how that bodes for a player. But Skaronsky's versatility, how he played, which was great. Uh, I mean, his film evaluation grades were off the charts. It got down to those two. I actually had Skaronsky going one pick later to Philadelphia. So either one of those two. It would make sense. Johnson, I think, gives you more of the prototypical left tackle, right tackle in the NFL. So there it is. There it was right there. Good little breakdown. You have to assume that those two guys, regardless of the order, are going to be the two guys that go off uh, the board first as far as offensive linemen, both Paris Johnson Jr., tackle from Ohio State, and Peter Skaronsky, who's uh, from Northwestern and expected to be a guard. And you heard the reason why he's expected to be a guard in the NFL from Mel. Kuiper Jr. And believe me, after two days of sound bites from that man, I still have plenty more, <laughs> right? Not going to get to any more, but I have plenty more. I could take up the whole next segment if I wanted to, but I'm going to jump into calls and texts. Want to hear from you, 707-654-4693. We'll, come, we'll do that coming up in segment number three after I tell you about FanDuel. And FanDuel is really heating up, especially because the tournament's heating up, so it's the perfect time to download the FanDuel app. It's America's number one sports book. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. All you got to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and it's super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line, points scored, threes, hitting the game, anything you want, they've got covered. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss a chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn about more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and text straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Going to try to get through these as quick as possible. Got some lengthy texts here, but uh, let's go ahead and jump right into it. The first one is a text from Raider Manny. Say, what up, Q? Raider Manny here calling from San Diego, longtime listener, first time texting into the show. Have a personal question for you that maybe you can help me out with. It's not podcast related, but since you have a few contacts, I thought I'd give it a shot. I'm active duty Navy, enlisted, and retiring late October or early November this year. Haven't set a date yet because I'm waiting on the schedule to come out because I want to take my family to a home game and celebrate my 20 years of service that same weekend of my retirement. Been a Raider fan since I was a kid, and my small command, uh, my small command and I work for... For here, it gave me the idea of trying to have my traditional Navy retirement at Allegiant Stadium. 
It sounded crazy at first, but since I'm with a small unit right now, I think I can manage it. That'd be one for the books. Asking if you have a military point of contact or a liaison office, I could call. Or someone that maybe coordinates renting even a small room at Allegiant Stadium. If not, no worries. I'll keep trying. I told myself if all else fails, I'll have my traditional Navy retirement in the parking lot at J-Lot since Raider Nation is the family as well. Thanks for all that you do and all the hard work you do for us. You're doing an amazing job, Raiders. That's from Raider Manny. And uh, first of all, Raider Manny, thank you so much. We appreciate you and thank you for your service. That's awesome. Uh, 20 years of service is fantastic. So uh, thank you so much for that. And I'm not sure exactly who to talk to. I would probably start with Mike Taylor. He's a, he's kind of the community service guy. He's fantastic. He's been with the organization forever. Like he was Al Davis's right-hand man. MT is the guy. So I would probably start there. But if you go to Raiders.com, I guarantee you could probably find a contact that maybe you could reach out to. And, you know, I'll poke my head around as well and just ask a few questions. But uh, I definitely wanted to make sure that text got the show, got on the show, because, again, we definitely appreciate you for your service. 20 years of service is nothing to shake a stick at. And we definitely appreciate you. Thank you so much for that, Raider Manny. And hopefully uh, I can run into you at Allegiant Stadium and help celebrate your, uh, your retirement as well. Up next, got a call from Big Nate in L.A. He's calling to ask about a landing spot for DeAndre Hopkins based on something he heard on Locked On NFL on Wednesday's show. Here's Big Nate in L.A. Hey, you, Big Nate from Los Angeles. I just had a, uh, want to know your thoughts on the move that I heard on uh, Locked On NFL uh, today. They were um, talking about potential landing spots for uh, D-Hop. And uh, the four teams they were talking about was uh, the Giants, the Titans, the Falcons, and the uh, Patriots. Then one of the hosts said uh, maybe the the Bills is a potential landing spot because they need a number two receiver. But I was thinking, you already know what I'm about to say. Could it be possible if you guys made a trade for him? I know you guys have the draft capital. They um, they were talking about the Cardinals would want at least a second second round pick or like a two mid round picks. And I know you guys have the like I said the draft capital, and you put D Hop on that wide um, receiving core and uh, man, sky's the limit. So is it a is it a reach? Or you think it's possible? Your thoughts. Thanks, take my call. Thank you for the call, my man. And as dynamic as a wide receiver room that would be, I just I don't see it happening. And I know that Pac-Man Jones was on, I think, Pat McAfee's show on Thursday and said that the Raiders were one of the five teams that were talking about DeAndre Hopkins. I would be shocked. Again, the wide receiver room would be fantastic. I would be shocked if that were to happen, though. But, I mean, just because I'd be shocked doesn't mean it won't. But I just don't think so. I could see a trade. You know, if it was DeAndre Hopkins and Hunter Renfro and, you know, maybe they threw in some other pieces here and there. Maybe it has something to do with the draft as well. I could see that. But I think D-Hop makes about $19 million, so he'd probably have to have an adjusted contract. Like, I feel like there'd be a lot that'd have to happen if uh, if, if DeAndre Hopkins were to be a, a, come a Raider. But, man, could you imagine? Devontae Adams on one side. <laughs> you have DeAndre Hopkins on the other side. Jacoby Myers coming out the slot. Oh, man, yeah, that'd be fantastic. Right. I mean, that would be one hell of a wide receiver room. Then Josh Jacobs is the running back. I mean, man, Jimmy G couldn't go wrong. All he would have to do, you'd have to put him in bubble wrap all week long just to make sure he was safe and didn't get injured. But man, he would have the time of his life thrown to those guys. None of them are burners. 
you know, I guess uh, Philip Dorsett would be your burner, but uh, man, he 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 can get the ball out, and those guys could do everything that they do. They'll they'll secure the ball, they'll catch the ball, and and make everything happen after the catch. But like I said, I really don't see that happening. But uh, definitely, thank you so much for the call, my man. I definitely appreciate you. Next up, got a text from Augie from the six six one. Really lengthy text here. AQ, hey first time texter, Augie from the six six one. Just want to start by saying that I've been a big been a longtime Raider fan, and I was turned on to the podcast as of the last couple of years. Haven't missed one day since being introduced. I listen to you every day, and boy, I'm glad I have the opportunity to get all the insights you deliver. I can honestly say that it's made me even more of a Raider fan. I love listening to different perspectives on how the team goes, and uh, I'm able to make educated opinions on how I see my team. Most of all, Q, love how you keep it real. Much props to you and your delivery style of always stating facts and also being a fan. It's no secret that you two want the best for Raider Nation. You certainly help me stay grounded when my team loses. Thanks for putting on a great show and everything you do. Also, I've been listening to the latest podcast since the Waller trade, and I can't believe how some are still upset that he was traded. I have to admit, I became a, a huge fan of Waller myself, as he was and is a great story with superstar success. I, too, enjoyed the excitement of watching him make huge plays and score touchdowns on those Sundays when we didn't have much to cheer for. And for long-lasting losing years, began to see some light with exciting scores and moral victories. <laughs> but... Let's get real, Q. These are players that need to be at the highest level of dedication. These are players that get paid tons of money to play and show up every game, not just when they want. I know that I, along with Raider Nation, get asked to perform at our highest on a daily by our employers. What makes this player any different? In fact, he should be holding himself to a higher standard just for the mere fact that this is what he strived for all his life, probably since he played peewee football. I think it's pretty arrogant to think that an elite NFL player feels that he does not need to work hard at his craft and that believes he could turn it on and off when he wants. Clearly, that person is no longer hungry and motivated with the burn to do more, especially contribute to the team's chances for a championship. And there is certainly a lack of desire to maintain their elite leadership reputation as someone that the team and fans count on. Tickets aren't cheap, not to mention the young fans that idle and look up to them. After all, isn't that what they literally signed up for? How many college prospects wouldn't have given anything to be in his shoes? Even better, how many cut NFL players wouldn't love to have his talent still playing the team? This is a dream. Let's keep it real. The NFL is hard. One, one can't stay here long with that lack of commitment. Uh, his mentality is one foot out the door, and I think the right decision to trade him was made. Now on to someone that wants to win. Raiders. Augie from the 661 out. Very lengthy text right there. Augie, I appreciate you. And, yeah, I think it's a lot of layers when it comes to Darren Waller. Like, he's a hell of a player, obviously. A hell of a dude, obviously. Hell of a story, obviously. And I'll always root for Darren Waller. He's also a guy that, as much as I want to see guys be, just like you're saying, like dedicated to football, 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 and there's nothing else, he's also one of those guys, because of everything that goes on in his life, he kind of needs, um, you know, not to be all the way locked in all the time. And I know that sounds like a cop-out, but, I mean, he's come out and said it. Like, I have to do other things. I have to do my music. I have to take time to do my yoga. I have to do, you know, things that I have to meditate. There, There's things that he has to do for his mental capacity and his mental health, and I'll never, ever, ever, you know, uh, put put anybody down for that or shame anybody for that because you've got to do what you've got to do to maintain your mental health. And we all know everything that's going on with Darren Waller. So, he might not have been 100% dedicated, and he might not have felt like uh, you know he fit in with this new staff. It might have looked like he was one foot in and one foot out. I don't think that was the case. I just don't think that he meshed well with these guys. I, re- I really don't because their mentality is football, football, football. They want you to have a dream about football. They want you to wake up and eat football. They want you to go work out football. They want you to go sleep football. You know what I mean? Like everything is football, football. They want you to get in your football and drive to work. Right. I mean, it's all football. It's all ball. That's just who they are. That's what they're all about. And, you know, that's kind of just, again, that's their mentality. And 
Every, that's not for everybody. It isn't like for me. Cool. That's fine. You know, you can, you can, you can require that of me. And I think I'd find a way to make it happen. Right. It might not be football, but I mean, even with, with what I do, I mean, I like that's, that's just kind of who I am uh, to a fault. Right. You know, but uh, it's just, it just is what it is. I just think with Waller, he was, he, he was one of those guys that he cannot be put to that kind of extreme just because he's got to be able to maintain a, a certain mental health capacity for his sake. So I think him going to New York was great. I think it'll be a good uh, landing spot for him. I think he'll do some really good things with the Giants. Like I said, I'll always root for him. Uh, he's a great guy. He did some great things here in the community here in Las Vegas, uh, including walking the tunnels, you know, with plenty of homeless people and just seeing how they live. I mean, he, he's, he's really humbled himself and done a lot of great things. So I don't fault him for what happened. It just, he just wasn't a good fit with this staff. And that's what happens when new people come in. So uh, I understand exactly where you're coming from. But like I said, I don't, I don't really hold uh, any of that against Waller. I just think that it wasn't a good fit with, with the team in its capacity. Uh, one more call, and then we'll close out the show for the day and also close out the show for the week. We'll take it from Raider X. He's calling to talk about the commitment to excellence and what that means when it comes to the new staff that's in charge of leading this team in the direction they believe they will be in the winning direction. Here he is, Raider X. Hey, Q, Raider X. Great content. Pr- content uh, really appreciate everything that you do. Real quick and sweet here. Just really getting tired of all the bashing on this new regime. Uh, give them a chance. And I'm really, really just, you know, tired of hearing this whole patriot way. Patriot way. You know, end of the day, you know, and you know, God bless all the information that you provide us. It gives us a little bit more insight, you know, and uh, spread that news across the board for everybody to understand what it is. And really all it is is about accountability and commitment. Has, there, has everybody forgot what the overall model of the Raiders is? It's the commitment to excellence commitment and that's what they're looking for is committed players committed to the team committed to their to their craft committed to the overall skill and committed to winning and all 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 they're bringing this regime is overall discipline ownership and accountability and if that's what they're bringing that's what they need then the Raiders have to turn the to turn the table and turn those and, and turn over a new leaf and stop playing upon for relationships and friendships and the good old boys and start doing like a business. And let's take this to the next level and let's get some W's and pull up that trophy. Let's go Raiders. Raiders out. Thank you so much for the call, my man. I appreciate you and I agree. And honestly, I believe that more and more uh, fans are starting to believe that as well. And I think more and more fans are starting to come around and not so negative on what's going on in the offseason, right? I think more and more fans are starting to realize that, you know, winning in March doesn't matter. Right. The Raiders have won in March many, many times and it hasn't worked out. So I think that it's it's not quite as negative as it was even a week ago. I think things are starting to really start to take shape. And I think a lot of people are getting fired up and excited about the upcoming NFL draft as it's just a little bit over a month away. But, yeah, I mean, commitment to excellence is all about, you know, just being dedicated to your craft and doing what you do. Right. I mean, that's just that that was always the Raiders way. And, you know, people talk about the Patriots way. And, you know, it was funny the other day at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center when uh, Jacoby Myers was asked what the what the Patriot way is. And he was just like, it's just being dedicated to your family around you. Uh, your your football family and, and doing what's best for the team and helping your team win. I mean, it's just, it's not, it's not really the Patriot way. It's just a winning way, <laughs> right? So it's going back to your point and your call. So thank you, Raider X, for that. I do appreciate you. And uh, that's all I got time for. Matter of fact, went a little overtime on today's show and shocking that that happened, right? Ari right now is rolling his eyes like, yeah, okay. Okay, Q, no need to apologize. You do it every day. So I don't know why you're apologizing now, but uh, sorry, Ari. <laughs> Didn't mean to go overtime like that. But like you said, it happens 
all the time. So Raider Nation, appreciate you as always. Thanks so much for making the show your first listen each and every day. Remember, you can find the show free and available on all platforms. Subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast to get the latest edition of the show as soon as it's available. And Ari, I do appreciate you as mentioned. So Raider Nation, take care of yourself, take care of your family, love on your family. Until Monday from Phoenix, be in Phoenix, Arizona at the owners' meetings. This should be a funny, uh, fun, exciting adventure. We'll be able to talk to head coach Josh McDaniels, GM Dave Ziegler, and, of course, owner Mark Davis. Until then, take care of yourself and just win, baby. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.